Hey, everyone. Welcome to the weekly show where we take a look back and forward at some of the biggest news stories affecting the sport we love. Whether it's a broken home run record, a famous player's birth, or a major franchise trade, we'll have it all covered. I'm Jeff Lambert, and this is This Week in Baseball History. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Let me be one of the first to wish you a Merry Christmas, and I hope you're having a wonderful holiday season. Just before we get started, if you are accessing this podcast, that means that you've already listened to our main show, Rounders, A History of Baseball in America, and you've signed up as an exclusive email subscriber. I just want to start by saying thank you so much for continuing to support both of these projects. This show, as a reminder, has three main parts. We'll start off with what we call our History Quick Hits, where we look back at memorable dates in baseball history. Then we're going to transition into our focus story, which further breaks down one of these historical baseball moments that happened this week. And then finally, we finish with our current news segment, where we look at some of the top stories affecting baseball now. So let's get the show going, starting with memorable historical moments that happened this week. On December 19th, 1934, future Hall of Famer Al Kaleen, who will amass 3,007 hits in 20 years with the Tigers, was born in Baltimore, Maryland. On December 20th, 1921, owners voted at the major league meetings to go back to a best-of-seven World Series. The American League voted to return to this best-of-seven format, while the majority of National League votes went to keeping the then-current best-of-nine series. Commissioner Landis cast the deciding vote, and the best-of-seven format was reinstated. On December 22, 1962, in Harris County, Texas, voters approved a bond issue to complete the financing of an all-new, all-weather stadium to house the Houston Colt 45s. That stadium would later go on to be known as the infamous Astrodome. On December 23, 1962, Jerry the Sage Manuel was born in Hahira, Georgia. He managed the Chicago White Sox from 1998 to 2003 and the New York Mets from the middle of 2008 to 2010. He won Manager of the Year in 2000 after leading the White Sox to a 95-win season and a surprising first-place finish. On December 24, 1967, Jim Lonborg, who was an American League Cy Young Award winner and an infamous pitcher for the 1967 pennant-winning Red Sox, fell while skiing and damaged his left knee. Lonborg went on to pitch 12 more seasons in the majors, but he never reached that same success he experienced before the skiing accident. And on Christmas Day, 1973, Nellie Fox, who led the American League in hits four times, won three gold gloves, played in 12 All-Star games, and was the American League MVP, was finally inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. That announcement came 23 years after his death. And that concludes our quick hits in baseball this week. Let's go ahead and transition to our focus story for this week. I want to talk more about Nellie Fox, who, as we mentioned on Christmas Day, was finally voted in to the Baseball Hall of Fame. But... You know, it was an interesting road that he took to get there. And I think it was certainly worth a little bit of a deep dive. So let's take a look. 
We know that the any induction into the Baseball Hall of Fame, it's a momentous occasion in any player's life. You know, it comes with interviews, parties, ceremonies, and those all-around well wishes from everybody in the league and everybody connected and your loved ones. But those celebrations didn't happen for Nellie Fox because he was voted into the Hall of Fame after his death. So why did that happen? What caused him to get the posthumous induction? Let's take a look. So to quickly overview his career, Jacob Nelson Fox, who, as we talked about, was better known by the nickname Nelly, was one of the best second basemen of all time. Statistically, he was the third most difficult hitter to strike out in MLB history. He played in the big leagues from 1947 until 1965, and he spent most of his career with the Chicago White Sox. His list of accolades is very long, and they include some of them I mentioned previously. He had 12 American League All-Star appearances. He was the American League Most Valuable Player in 1959, and he was the only second baseman to win that award until 2008 when Dustin Pedroia, for the Red Sox, won that award. He captured three American League Gold Gloves. He had a career 288 batting average, and he amassed 2,663 hits, 35 homers, and 790 RBIs throughout his career. And he hit 300 or more six different seasons in his career. He also led the American League in singles eight times. His career fielding percentage was 984, and he led the league in fielding six times as a second baseman. In 1959, he led the Go-Go White Sox to the American League Pennant Championship. And after his playing career, he actually coached the Houston Astros and the Texas Rangers. So you look at a list like that, and you may be asking yourself, well, what would keep Nelly off, you know, the ballot being, well, he was on the ballot, but what would keep him from being inducted with numbers that stand out in that way? Well, If you look at Nelly's detractors or the argument against him making the Hall of Fame, there's two main points that are made. And both of those tie into sabermetrics and using that to judge his career. So Nelly Fox was uh, looking at it from this point of view was a below average hitter for his career using certain metrics. So if we look at on base plus slugging percentage or OPS, he only averaged a 93 throughout his career, which was lower than most other Hall of Fame inductees. And he also only had a career war, wins above replacement, of 49. So if you take those two metrics and you take them into consideration, he only stacks up to about 64% of other players who made the Hall of Fame. So, you know, you look at both sides, you see the awards, but then you see, okay, he was a borderline offensive uh, great in terms of his ability. But when it comes down to it, he was always right in the line. And it wasn't just in the minds of fans, I think, but the writers really struggled with whether he should make it into the hall or not. Uh, he never got that 75% vote that he needed to get into the hall. And on his final chance, he got 74.7%. So close, but it just was not enough. So that seemed like it was it for his chances of making the hall. He ended up passing away um, before, like we mentioned. And so for about uh, a little over 20 years, the question of whether Nelly should be inducted into the Hall of Fame lost most of its steam because he had already reached the maximum times that he could be placed on the ballot. But in the late 1990s, there was a group of fans who formed called the Nelly Fox Society, and they decided to really go hard in promoting his case for induction into the hall. 
And that group grew to over 600 members of prominent writers, former players, and just uh, authors and historians and people who supported him being inducted into the Hall. And in 1997, the Hall of Fame Veterans Committee decided to take a second look, and it was at that time that they voted him in posthumously into the Hall of Fame. Now, I would love to hear from you, looking at both sides of this, seeing the numbers, seeing the argument against, do you think that Nelly's career warranted a Hall of Fame induction? You can let me know by taking the survey in our weekly newsletter. Let's go ahead and move on to our current news section. Story number one, the New York Mets are going to pay roughly $111 million in luxury tax penalties for the upcoming 2023 season. That figure is higher than what 10 other teams are going to pay their entire 26-man rosters next season. Yes, you heard that right. Chris Quick from Yahoo Sports reported that, quote, this level of spending is unprecedented in baseball. Cohen, who is the Mets owner, is going to turn out a team that will cost roughly $100 million more than the previous record for highest payroll in the sport. Wow. Just think about that for a second and think about the offseason that New York put together. Just some of the players they signed, the major ones. We had Carlos Correa for $315 million. We had Brandon Nimmo for $162 million. Edwin Diaz for $102 million. Justin Verlander for $86 million. Kodai Senga for $75 million. And then you've got, you know, Jose Quintana for $26 million. You had Omar Navarez for $15 million. The list goes on and on and on. The New Yorks put together a truly historic season, off-season, in terms of spending. And you see the amount they're going to pay in luxury tax, and it pretty much puts them in the position where they have to win this season, right? By putting up that much money. So it will be interesting to see what happens there. Story number two. Baseball's rule changes for the upcoming season is going to shift the market in favor of left-handed pull hitters. This was interesting. According to an article that was in the Wall Street Journal that was written by Lindsay Adler, the upcoming rule changes might specifically benefit lefties. Let's look at why. Beginning in 2023, the MLB is going to ban defensive shifts. And these strategies have specifically hurt southpaw hitters for years. So it stands to reason, with banning the shift, that these strategies are going to lead to an offensive revival for some of these players. So some names that should see stat surges in the upcoming season are guys like Cody Bellinger, who is the former NL MVP. You've got Andrew Benintendi. You've got Joey Gallo, all left-handed outfielders. You've got infielders like Anthony Rizzo and Brandon Belt. They could also benefit from this change. And it's not just this author from the Wall Street Journal that's saying this. We also see Russell Carlton, who's a baseball researcher at Baseball Prospectus. He said, quote, if I were a left-handed hitter, I would be having a little party right now, end quote. So it is going to be interesting to see the impact that this new rule is going to have on this upcoming season. Ladies and gentlemen, that is all for this edition of This Week in Baseball History. Please make sure to check back next week for more memorable moments and current news and updates from around the league. See you then.